You're listening to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. We're live each Monday night on YouTube, available for download every Wednesday morning through your favorite podcast provider, and always online at earfulofdirt.com. Bringing you the latest news, views, and abuse from across the United States, here's your hosts. And we're live. Welcome to Earful of Dirt. Major League Rugby Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Corey is out sick today, and I am taking over his place. In case you don't know me, I am Josh Fredlin. I will be hanging out in the comments. Aaron Castro is in Arizona. Liam Madigan-Fried has escaped the cold for the past month and is in Houston, Texas. Uh, so, guys, how was your week? Well, uh, I got – I, I guess I got into grad school. Yeah, I got into grad school and started grad school basically – in like a matter of like three days, there was a there was an error at ASU that somehow uh, they didn't process me being admitted into the school. So uh, it was like it was pretty close. I didn't get into I didn't get into all my classes until the middle of no Thursday morning. <laughs> I got into all. So there was a lecture I had to go to on professional sports law. So. Uh, when it comes to uh, sports law, uh, getting a master's in sports law and business at Arizona State, uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun time. Um, and of course, they offer a great lecture on Friday afternoons with Bud Selig, uh, former Major League Baseball commissioner. So, I am a baseball fan, and you know, I I took the sports law program so I could uh, so I could do some more stuff in this sport so yeah hell yeah well uh you know my week was pretty good but uh first Aaron I want to say that actually kind of sounds like hell just because signing up for classes in undergrad is like a stressful enough you know endeavor so I can't even imagine with a fucking master's program what that must be like but regardless what I really do want to say in terms of how my week went it was 70 freaking four degrees today and it's January my Boston mind cannot process this occurrence of nature. Wait, wait, wait. I don't it's, like it's it. 74? It was, it, it was 74 de- like degrees at practice today when I was at the Sabercats practice wow. filming. I was wearing long pants and a, and a freaking t- and a long sleeve t-shirt because my brain just tells me to put on those I mean, clothes. Even for like, you know, East Texas, that's kind of warm um, for January. I mean, uh, but it's just not surprising though. Like by, by any... It should, be, you know. it should be more... You should get some like 50 and more rain. should be well on the way there's been been plenty of that just ask the people building aviva stadium (laughs) (laughs) that's fun but Uh, other than that we should talk about uh that rugby game right uh yeah yeah a lot a lot of rugger happened this weekend uh (laughs) but uh let's uh just to let you guys know um for those new and old uh, each Monday night, we discuss news and rumors from Major League Rugby, the United States Professional Rugby Union competition. Uh, it's a chance to look at the issues, hear from the league, players, team leadership, and check in with our friends across the U.S. rugby scene. Uh, with that said, I guess, uh, wow, um, I just I'll keep talking. But the rundown for this week, Houston versus Austin, uh, New Orleans versus the Dallas Reds, San Diego versus Glendale, Utah v. Life West. Rooney versus Toronto, which was canceled. Uh, USA Rugby versus Canterbury deal. Hmm. Commentary to follow. But I wasn't at this game. However, we had an operative in full view. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, I was there undercover as the almighty secret EOD agent. And uh, I did have a couple of observations. Um, honestly, I was really hoping for more from Houston in this game. I went in, my prediction uh, amongst uh, some of my coworkers was 34-21 Houston victory. But honestly, throughout the game, they really just couldn't find a rhythm to really run away with uh, run away with this game. And there was actually a ton of chances. There were some key drops and a bunch of mental errors, uh, particularly in the second, pa- uh, second half. We had eight penalties called on the Houston Sabercats uh, as opposed to only three called on the Austin Elite. And that really killed them in terms of keeping them in their own zone and giving Austin just multiple opportunities, especially in terms of putting the ball into the scrum. Uh, you know, that was definitely killer. But Austin definitely needs uh, their credit in terms of how they played as well. Their defense was working great. Uh, they were able to defend the post and they were able to come up as a group 
And, and they, they made life hell, not just for the backs of the uh, Houston Sabercats, but for the scrum halves, Connor Murphy and Santiago Arada as well. As soon as they were legally allowed, it seemed like both Connor and Santiago were just getting smothered uh, trying to get the ball out of the ruck. And it really, really made stuff difficult. One of the uh, definitely one of the one of the draws for the Sabercats this year going in, just like last year, their scrum was far superior. Uh, definitely the presence of uh, newcomer Charlie Connolly is a plus. Uh, he's a tough Irish bastard, and he really, really knows how to react when adversity is thrown at, thrown at him in the scrum. Now, not just Charlie, though. Jake Turnbull and Jamie Deaver, uh, they deserve a whole bunch of credit. Uh, the Austin tighthead, Mason Peterson, great guy, great athlete. However, much of the game, he was trying to bore in just to throw off Pat O'Toole, the hooker for the Houston Sabercats. And luckily, Turnbull and Deaver, they were both experienced enough to know to switch to a long bind on the scrum. That, that way, they were able to uh, they kind of gave Mason an ultimatum, either break your neck or, or take the penalty for bringing down the scrum. And, you know, not not too hard to tell which one uh, that's going to be. You know, uh, so the scrum, definitely a draw for Austin. One other, uh, sorry, definitely a draw for Houston. Uh, one other plus for Houston, though, despite the despite the uh, you know sad result of fourteen to ten, uh, was their uh, defense inside the twenty-two. It was really stout and it only yielded twice. Um, you know, one of the one of the reasons uh, they uh, they fell behind was a blocked box kick attempt by Santiago Arada. It gave uh, Adam Aiden McCullen you know a really good opportunity just to scoop and score and get uh, get that try to just put them over the edge. Uh, unfortunately, Sam Windsor did not have a good game kicking from the tee. Uh, he went 0 for 2 on conversions, which is why this game ended in a loss for Houston instead of a tie. You know, uh, so definitely a lot of pluses, but there's definitely a lot of things that Coach Fitzpatrick is going to want to work on uh, after this game. So, do you think that the Sabercats rose to the occasion with their defense uh, to impress their uh, newly arrived uh, defense <laughs> coach? Well, I mean, if you're a player, you're going to be trying to impress the coaches uh, regardless. However, I definitely got to give credit uh, to Coach Neil Kelly. Um, he since, since he's arrived, I've seen them going through drills and practice that I just hadn't seen previously. And honestly, the players seem to be responding well. There's a slightly higher degree of physicality, but as well, there's also, uh, there's also more of a discipline to it. He, he really expects players to get it uh, right through repetition. Uh, and I think that's going to uh, I think that's really going to help the Sabercats this year in terms of finishing games, which we knew was a huge problem with them last year was they would get these leads and sometimes they would even be pretty big leads and they would just lose it going into the second half. It was just, you know, it, it was it was a problem. And I think Neil Kelly is going to make that difference. Yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, one of the cool things here is that the Houston Sabercats will have two uh, MLR on MLR clashes leading into the regular season, uh, just closing out with Austin Elite and this weekend, Kids Night at Constellation Field, 7 p.m. Saturday. Uh, yep, so versus should... the Glendale Raptors, and uh, I believe me, they are taking this seriously. I just spent all day editing footage of the San Diego Legion versus the Glendale Raptors, uh, which is which is a game that we're going to get to. But uh, yeah, no, they're definitely. Uh, uh, people are asking, are there any streams of, the, uh, of these games? Unfortunately not. The Houston Sabercats will not be shelling out the cash uh, to have these games streamed. However, that just means you get to tune in to my writing about the game and to this podcast where you can get some pretty exclusive views on what happened in those games. So all the more reason to watch Ear Full of Dirt and to read Liam Poach. That's <laughs> That's one of the things I understand about uh, the current television deal, as far as I understand. I don't know. Um, but the, they are not televising preseason games, so it is on the individual teams to fund that endeavor. Uh, and you're seeing a variety of, I, I guess, styles uh, when, it, when it comes to and wherewithal of what people want to see uh, gift for... <laughs> Yeah, gift at Gift Time Rugby Network. Gift, you are, you, you know, are the MVP of streaming, man. We you love know, you. He's uh, he's get gotten everything done for for New Orleans, so we've seen all of their stuff, and we're going to talk about the, his latest game on the Gift Time Rugby Network this weekend. Was the New Orleans Gold versus the Dallas Reds? Also, before this game, uh, the U18s for New Orleans. Uh, 
after, you know, on a three-game winning streak, a uh, loss to Memphis Inner City Rugby. Um, so, uh, that, that, you know, there was a, there's a question that we're going to talk about at the end uh, about academies and how they're aligned. Well, uh, when it comes to competition, NOLA's been getting it done this winter. Uh, I think all of those guys are going to go back to school, though, and, uh, you know, the academy will sort of, I just meet up for training, but fixtures is probably going to be few and far between at the moment um, until summer. And then you'll have a ton of uh, that stuff going on, getting these guys out to tournaments, RCTs and everything. But about this game, uh, you, you know, I've I, I got a, a pretty strong opinion about playing clubs, especially in year two. I sort of don't really want to see it, um, especially when you're – depending on what, whether it's a club or a select side that has been put together pretty decent, strong talent like stars. Say your um, opinion, man. Be controversial. Have some backbone. You're, there's a pro and there's an amateur. We're now in year two. Um, I better be able to like not pay attention to the second half. And, you know, that's what NOLA has done uh, with every opponent they've faced uh, so far uh, this preseason vice uh the USA South and USA South is a good opponent, but, but uh, with the Reds, they've got a pretty good scrum. They've got some good athletes, uh, you know, overall up front, but at the end of the day, uh, the fitness wasn't there and, uh, you know, Nola was able to do what they had to do. Um, like, like I said, uh, these really shouldn't be close. Uh, you really want to just get live competition for your guys, uh, so that you can run your systems and get good film and see what you need to do. And, you know, Nola is one of those teams. Uh, scouting new players is definitely an underrated aspect of these games as well. You know, I, I know that Coach Fitzpatrick, like here in Houston, definitely take the opportunity to look at the other talent. You know, especially teams like the Reds, where, as you said, their scrum gives people problems, uh, fitness, you know, notwithstanding toward, like, going into the well, second half. I, I think with some of these, you have, to be, you have to be very considerate of who you're playing. Uh, the Reds, uh, the Blacks specifically, both are very well-coached programs and both attract, uh, you know, top athletes. Whereas, uh, uh, you know, let's talk about a guy most recently of, say, the Austin Blacks is now playing with AER and Brendan Rams. You know, they, they've and Vince Jobo first came to the United States and was playing with the Austin Blacks, things like that. So they're still attracting, you know, top talent, but – there's a difference between guys that all train on their own and then have two practices a week versus having, uh, you know, full strength programs uh, under a strength coach and then practice uh, close to full time, which is where we're at with. And, you know, almost for anyone who doesn't know, most MLR teams have a have a much larger uh, full time training this season. Uh, some MLR teams are even all full-time training group, but that means they're smaller uh, teams as well. But uh, and New Orleans is one of those teams that has a larger full-time training group. I think it's about 22 guys maybe um, that train every day. Uh, and then, you know, the part-time guys come in in the morning uh, to strength train and in the evening uh, for team practice, for full team practice. So, and they've added top college players. They've added some other Eagles, some other international guys, and they've looked like they needed to look uh, this preseason and against the Reds, really uh, a well-coached club side, but that was still a club side. Honestly, these games are good just to get to, uh, to get a grip on things like on, uh, you know, especially on things like line speed and how the backs are going to work, because if the backs are able to move unimpeded, you're going to get a good idea of the kinds of uh, attack formations and the kinds of things that are going to be looking to do in the starter plays. Uh, obviously, they're going to be facing a lot stiffer competition in MLR, so things are going to play out differently. But it's really good just to get a look at the system and see what NOLA uh, could potentially look like this season. And what I saw was some pretty good fluidity out on their back line and the, the way they were able to recycle, uh, you know, uh, the ball in, into the hands of some of their playmakers. And uh, one underrated aspect of that game, though, I just want to give a big shout out to Vince Jobo uh, on making his comeback. Uh, as you mentioned, a former player with the Austin Blacks, Vince suffered a horrible uh, Achilles injury last year. And for those that follow him on social media, the dude went absolutely bonkers in terms of his recovery and his, uh, his physical therapy. 
it's great to see him back on the field. And I think he's going to be a huge factor, uh, you know, on, on the field that Nola just didn't have last year. He's that big play guy who can just out physical people. You can't bring him down one-on-one. How this injury is going to affect him long-term into the season, it's, you know, only time's going to tell that. But if, you know, you know, being him being him and like all the adversity that he's had to face coming uh, back from this injury, I think it's going to be pretty positive. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm not a professional athlete. These like, well, yeah. Um, in the army, you definitely are a professional athlete. Not these days I'm retired, but, uh, you know, sport orthopedic surgeons in, when it comes to athletes, when they know just amateur athletes that they're very clear in what your back to play protocol is. Well, he's a professional athlete. So it's the, the orthopedics and the physical therapists that he had to deal with, they knew the kind of stress that he needed to put on, uh, you know, his Achilles in rehab. Uh, so I think that, you know, it's um, for the season, I think you're just going to see a guy that is just going to get after it. And I think, he's going to have to, his, the coaches uh, are going to have to, you know, have a leash on him to just monitor his time because he is an animal. Like that, that is who Vince Jobo is. So you have to just, uh, you got to keep a leash on him so that he can, you know, move forward. You got to uh, keep him in bubble wrap until the playoffs. Like, you know, if, if Nola can make it to the playoffs and then really let that dog off its leash, they're going to be dangerous. So, especially, yeah. especially what, what, one more shout out to JP Eloff, one of the best, uh, you know, fullbacks in the league. Like, God damn, that guy can fucking move. So, um, <laughs> but uh, into the other game that was broadcast this weekend. And man, I was talk about grad school whole. For some reason, I thought this was on Saturday and not on Sunday. And I was trying, I was clicking the link on Saturday at 3 p.m. Mountain time. And I'm going, hey, hey, why is there like this rebroadcast of a basketball game? What the you heck? You were suffering that? from rugby madness and uh, probably sleep deprivation <laughs> and whatever the hell else comes with being in grad school. Yeah. Yeah. So San Diego loses at home to Glendale 31 to 38. Uh, you know, overall, pretty competitive. Some great stuff from fly half Joe Peterson, who was a, well, Super late edition last year. He uh, was only there for uh, their playoff game against the Seattle Seawolves. And I got to tell you, uh, you, you saw the skills at play when he started at fullback for them that day. And you saw the skills again. And you kind of see why they let Ty Leader and Ben Sima go. Uh, I think he's overall uh, an upgrade but when it comes to – it's not that Ben Seymour or Ty Glader don't have those skills. I think that for the most part, uh, they haven't been in the proper environment to continuously grow uh, Ty. Um, just to get back to where he was with Connor, really. Uh, you know, he – like, get back to that level. And, you know, he's put in a lot of work, and that's why he was called into USA camp, and that's why I think – He's going to be one of the few guys to get a cap during the ARC. But you just see why um, they went foreign instead of keeping two USA eligible, one an Eagle, one about to be an Eagle guys, because, hey, their price is expensive, right? So, and if you can upgrade for cheaper, it is what it is. Um, Devin Short, that kid is an animal. Um, he still has a lot of work to do around the breakdown, but when it comes to what he can do in the open field, whether it's on defense or with the ball in hand, uh, you know, it, it takes about six guys to tackle him. Um, scrummaging San Diego, I, I, you know, I, I've kind of said this and some other people, um, have said this, not echoing, but you, you examine where the scrummaging was for San Diego last year. It is significantly better. All, and you, you know, their scrummaging got much better from week one to when they played that game in the playoffs. But uh, a coaching change up front, uh, Scott Murray, Scotland International, former director of rugby for uh, the Santa Monica Dolphins and forwards coach for UCLA is now the forwards coach down in San Diego. And you just see so much stuff that's different. But it's not just him. They also brought in more top-end talent um, Patty Ryan, the Australian, 
um, at Tidehead Prop has come in. They brought in another Australian who's a hooker. And you, you're just looking at what this, this stable of front rows is. And they've definitely, I think last year, they built this team from back to front. And this, this year, they, they sort of kept an assortment of the backs that they had. And they did all their additions from front to back, which is kind of how you got to do this. Because, uh, you know, I know some people think scrummaging is, you know, going away. But uh, I think in this, in this competition, scrummaging is, can still be a weapon and will be a weapon. Um, looks like they want to use their mall a lot, which they did last year. There are some things to work on uh, on that set piece out of the line out. Uh, some of the kicking, uh, they kind of turned the ball over when they kicked inside their from inside their 22. They didn't give the ball um, with near enough depth. When it comes to Glendale, uh, it looks like they reloaded a little bit, uh, but their losses from last season were significant. Uh, scrummaging needs some work. On, in this one, uh, I'm a fan of Luke White at Loosehead Prop and not Luke White, the lock, if that makes any sense. He can lock. It's not about what he can do at lock, but um, he's a very, uh, was one of the top Loosehead Props when he played there last season. Um, uh, Brendan Daly uh, made himself uh, known. Uh, he played six. Hanko at seven. Both found a lot of work. Both were where they needed to be. There you go. Well, thank you very much for that rundown, Aaron. Um, so, like I said earlier, uh, when, when we were talking about the Houston game, I had to edit this game for Fitzy's film studies, so uh, I'm kind of almost sick of it at this point. But one of the advantages to that is that I was kind of able to slow the game down and look at different aspects, um, particularly when choosing, uh, you know. Oh, here's, a, here's a question, because I was in a law textbook. Oh. Um, <laughs> What was the first yellow card? Because I, I saw Sean's, but yeah, I didn't see the other one. I I didn't either. All all I did was, you know, just mark it on as a as a penalty towards Glendale. Um I didn't have any audio while watching the game, so that was also uh, kind of difficult. Uh, yeah, that was. yeah, so I I wasn't able to uh, really get an idea of where that yellow card came from, but However, I was very impressed with the fact that they were over, able to overcome Sean Davies' uh, second-half yellow card, especially playing a man down in what was still a really competitive close game. Um, so one thing, uh, like, like we mentioned, uh, or like you mentioned, Aaron, uh, San Diego Scrum has definitely been improving, as well as their, uh, as well as their line speed uh, coming out of the starter plays. However, uh, Glendale, it just, it just didn't seem like they were ever – they were, they were definitely not as fluid as San Diego. However, while the Glendale's big advantage is that you can't bring any of their players down one-on-one. Uh, the, the, uh, you know, the, the, both of their locks, at, like uh, as you again mentioned, Aaron, they were playing crazy. Uh, both their four and five spots were able to secure tries in, in the game. Uh, but, however, I, I, to me, it just seemed like San Diego played a much better game, a much cleaner game in terms of passing as well. Also, uh, the penalties for Glendale are definitely going to be a problem, and, and they started to be a problem at, at a few points last year with people losing their tempers, and especially inside the breakdowns where they got kind of undisciplined. Because uh, to my count, Glendale only had two or three put-ins in the scrum, uh, as well as San Diego was able to keep the ball in their territory with a huge amount of uh, free kicks. So Glendale is definitely going to need to clean up, uh, clean up some stuff in terms of discipline if they want to stay in games against some of these, uh, some of the other tougher clubs in the league, especially when the seat when it gets later in the season and these injuries are going to start piling up as they do every single year. So I would say look for San Diego to be much more uh, improved than they even were last year, especially with these changes to their roster and the, the reshuffling of people and where they're going. Uh, but look for Glendale to maybe even take a step back, though. They definitely added some more pieces. Hanko Hammerscheiss can't be underestimated. But again, this, these are not the uh, same people who have been playing together for four or five years like as they were last year when they came into the MLR. It's, it's, it's kind of a whole new team, and Coach Williams is going to have to try and work with that. I don't think Glendale is going to be as dominant. Still pretty good, though. Yeah, I, I as, like what Glendale is going to be. They still did, like, they still did a Glendale because – I'm watching this game. They won last minute, what, though. We, we, we should really point that no, out. Was 80 I, I, plus, they they did win last minute, but I'm watching this game, and I'm, I'm just – I'm not understanding how they're scoring points. Um, most of the points they scored, uh, you, you know, uh, uh, that new fullback they have, man, he's, he's good. He is good. 
yeah, so so there was a a Glendale was like a, a fifty plus meter try that they're full. Yeah, there was up? so there was a Glendale penalty, and uh, San Diego chose to scrum. Smart, smart move, right? And then this is where it got dumb. And you you'll you'll remember this. Oh yeah. Um, they went so they win their scrum put in obviously, um, and then they start. Then they're bunched up on the near side and they're running down the pitch, sort of, and they're offloading like real quick, but real sloppily. And like this 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 offload was like the slowest offload I've ever seen in my life. The ball was just floating, and that fullback from Glendale just came through and poached that ball. And scored a try. I was so, like, "What? The what do we frick? call that in rugby? Because you can't call it a pick six. Uh, so try five. Just, uh, I, mean, I mean, by five intercept try. Uh, that's that's what we call ca- it. Ca- uh, counter try. I got Grant Cole just giving me counter some try in, in the back. Counter try. We need to we need to trademark that and uh, make shirts. <laughs> now, dude, Courtney Clinton already got it. Oh yeah, we're, oh. we're late on that. Well, man, he's gonna sue us now. Shit. So, yeah, I mean, uh, so Glendale was able to take on the chaos for for the most part, but I, I you just saw the way San Diego was playing, mm-hmm. and you're just like, this team is different, the, and the score shouldn't have been there. It's, but I, I, you know, I guess they pulled a New England rights. They just uh, they just figured it out. Um, you know, but, uh, yeah, um, that's that game, um, moving on, uh, some funny stuff happened this weekend in another game scheduled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I just want to say, so we're about to talk about the canceled game of, uh, rugby United New York versus the Toronto arrows, uh, which then became the Toronto arrows versus the semi-defunct Ontario arrows, whatever they wanted to call it on social media. But the main point and what I'm trying to say is that that a single accident in an island the size of Manhattan somehow forced uh, the guys at Rugby United New York to uh, to miss the game. Now, I, I don't want to like say it as if it's a mystery. I know what happened. I know they got stuck on the freeway because of a shitty accident and they were delayed for four hours. The, the fact that they were traveling the day of, you know, is definitely one problem. But I just think it just speaks to the fact that Boston is better because we probably would have dragged that car off to the side of the road and burnt it rather than let it you know, disrupt our commute. We are hardy people. <laughs> Darn right. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah. Take so that, James Kennedy. <laughs> credit to Bill Webb and his crew for bringing the throwback jerseys in some bags so that they can – play 23 on 23 <laughs> in the bubble. <laughs> I, I just, I mean, cool. They, they put on a, they put on a show for the people of Orchard Park that uh, had come out in Western New York to watch this thing. And, uh, you know, most people don't follow this stuff on Twitter and Facebook yet. So people showed up and this, this is good thinking, right? This is great stuff by Toronto. People were showing up anyways to watch this thing. And they're like, we got to make something happen. So they made, they made something happen. Um, uh, Utah, they got some live scrimmage action against life West, which is good. Uh, looks like Maka Tamala, um, was not re-signed and has returned to the Bay area and suited up for life West gladiators in the scrimmage. So, um, won't be, looks like he won't be with the warriors this season. Um, uh, Look at Reddit uh, from Bobby Boberson wrote a bunch of stuff about it. Uh, there wasn't a real st- – so there wasn't a score, but it was a lot of tries to like two tries. Uh, this is what went down. They did a training session for people to watch. Uh, I mean, I, there were – if you look at the pictures, all like there are bleachers that go down all one side. Uh, Utah says about 1,000 people showed up. And, uh, you know, they, they got to watch some rugby, which is, which is great. Uh, and the, the, it looks like Micah Hofoka left, uh, the scrimmage with a significant injury. Uh, don't, don't really have an update on that, but 
from what I understand, it was pretty bad. Uh, that, to my knowledge, is Utah's only preseason action of uh, going into Major League Rugby. So you have, again, a varying uh, setup of preseason action for, for different teams. Some teams are playing one game. Some teams are playing two. Some teams are playing a few club teams and then playing some MLR teams. But we are two weeks away. Uh, just some quick, I guess, admin news for Utah. They, while we were on break, they did appoint, well, announce appointments of their full coaching staff. Uh, Stevie Scott, former Scotland U20s head coach, uh, was the Edinburgh head coach at one point, um, was also their inter- Edinburgh's interim head coach. Uh, he's been all over when it comes to Scottish rugby, but he was – uh, the forwards coach uh, with Scotland uh, for a while uh, before he moved down to uh, help run Edinburgh and then lead the Scotland U20s. Uh, so when it comes to, you know, bringing in more, more knowledge uh, to coach up our forwards, that's very important. Um, and then James Simple, who is a, was a rugby development coach in, for the Waikato Chiefs and had also – for the Scottish Rugby Union a few years ago. So that's, and then they brought in Mark Drown to be the team manager, who is a retired lieutenant colonel who um, had taken the job as Fiji's manager. But this, I guess, uh, I guess they made it worth, more worth his while for Fiji Sevens manager. So you're like, uh, wouldn't you want to go on the series to all these stops? So they must have made it worth his while. Um, uh, I guess so. There you go. Uh, moving on to transactions. Yeah. So for transactions today, let me see what we have for you fine people. So uh, going back to uh, Rugby United New York. Hey guys, uh, John Quills coming over from Glendale, a really physical player who uh, you know we, we talked about the losses that Glendale suffered and how significant they may or may not be. And uh, John Quill is probably going to be among one of those people who uh, can definitely who his uh, his absence is going to be felt. Uh, Samu Smith, uh, an- another center coming in into uh, Rugby United New York to add to that already really deep position group that they have. James Rockford, uh, prop uh, going to going up to New York as well. Uh, that scrum is looking pretty darn strong. Matt Matt Almeida, a prop coming here to Houston. I cannot say enough about this guy. He is built like a damn house of bricks. Uh, Grant, how much can this dude bench? Um, more than you and me and Mikey combined away. Yeah, 450 plus pounds is the rumor that this kid can actually bench. Oh, no, ask how much he can <laughs> squat. Yeah, squatting is a whole nother story, but also very high character. I haven't heard a bad word about anybody come out of this guy's mouth. I'm really excited about him. I'm more excited uh, about his hair. <laughs> yeah, I know. Everybody's excited about the hair, man. Like, I mean, the I'm, hair's I'm, the hair's the good stuff. Oh yeah. Right. Oh, dude, I've I've, like, I've seen it in braids. I've seen it kind of like like let let out as well. Like you know, I think we're gonna see a few different hairstyles from this dude. Uh, you know, coming into this season. Uh, another dude coming into Houston, Jason Harris. Right. Another people that uh, another person that people are really excited about. He's going to be coming in at hooker. Uh, he's going to be competing with Pat O'Toole, although nobody is really expecting Pat O'Toole to, uh, you know, be challenged for the starting come position. On. But it, Jason Harris right beat Pat O'Toole out of kind. Oh come on, man! But but here's the thing: it's definitely going to be a good competition. Fitzy's really excited about the depth that he has at hooker. Uh, you know, he he loves his scrum porn, and this is just more that uh, you know he's putting on the uh, the the internet history, uh, so to hey, say. Jason Harris right went to Bristol to play in the championship and. Pat O'Toole graduated from the Connaught Senior Academy and for some reason decided to not stay with Connaught and go to San Diego. Oh, I know why. Because he wanted to get capped by the United States. You know, apparently playing rugby for the United States is becoming an in-demand thing. I mean, who doesn't want to live in the state, especially after living in a shitty place like frickin' England? Like, or, I mean, I've been to Ireland a few times. It's beautiful, but I uh, wouldn't want to live there full time. It reminds me of Seattle, the amount yeah. of rain that they get. But yeah. uh, one, one last <laughs> transaction for y'all. Brendan Daly going to, uh, uh, going, going to Glendale. He's a really versatile back row player. 
uh, you can you can stick in him uh, stick stick him in uh, either at center or in it, or in at wing. Uh, he has that versatility to make plays all over the field. Uh, I think that's it from my transactions and uh, in Grant's little quips in there and uh, in his opinion. So Aaron, uh, who, who do you got? So uh, for the Sabercats, Matthew Faugali. Oh man, I butchered that. Uh, he's it, a back row flanker. He was released. He requested his release and he's returned to Australia. So um, fair winds, uh, my friend. Um, Penny Tagive, center, Austin. Um, elite. So this is a guy who left playing professional rugby league to come to the United States and play American football. Then somehow ended up in our sevens program. Oh yeah. Um, and talking about first choice athlete in the centers. So that's, that's really good to see there. Uh, Marcelo Torrealba, um, scrum half from Chile. Uh, a, I need to find out his number. ESPN doesn't know, but he's a Condore. Uh, for Chile, for both he's captain both sevens and fifteens uh, to back up uh, Mikhail Romero um, for Austin. Um, make make sure that battle happens. Then Matteo Sanguinetti, prop Houston. Uh, he is also Dedo for Uruguay. And then Marco Fepuleai, uh, tight head prop for Glendale, who was in. Uh, Auckland minor 10 squad last year. So, uh, you know, there have been some questions uh, about uh, the prop depth at Glendale where they're bringing this guy in and, you know, they're bringing in another guy as I understand it. Uh, but I don't have a name for it. So uh, we're not going to put that out there. Um, but I guess uh, this is, there's, I'm going to have some interesting commentary following our, our latest news piece. Um, good to see, good to see transactions done. Um, we're, we're, we're two weeks away and there's still some guys that are going to get added because, uh, their visas will finally get approved and we'll be able to do some good stuff. But this government shutdown needs to end because I need my GI benefits to get approved so I can pay for school. Okay. Is that a, is that a problem? Um, uh, Dude, don't even get me fucking started. We've got to keep politics out of rugby because I will... Oh, it's 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 not, that's all I'm saying. Just to end yeah. the shut, just end the shutdown, so I can pay for school. That's that's all. That's my commentary about that. Um, so the United States of America Rugby Football Union has signed a deal with Canterbury, North America. And the reason why I say North America and not Canterbury in general is that this has not been publicized at all by parent company of Canterbury North America. Uh, they said, uh, for many years to come, it's going to be a great partnership. Uh, important to note, you know, what are the economics of this deal? It's not publicized by the parent company. Um, the, the economics of the, the Adidas deal weren't good. They, they weren't. Uh, they only provide a certain uh, dollar value of Vic and um, they, they didn't have us, um, by the nose, but the effect was they had us by the nose in that, uh, you know, BLK went bankrupt and we needed somebody to be our kid sponsor. But, you know, um, if you look at the BLK deal, we outstripped our, our value in kind dollar value. Uh, when you look at the tax documents, I, some hill, I don't need to to die on today. But in, in previous years, we've, the economics of these deals haven't been good enough to, to deal with what we need. Um, but now let's get into brand reach. And this is the important piece. Canterbury is an unknown brand. There are 120,000 members of USA rugby. So does even, does even, a, uh, do 120,000 people even know those 120,000 people, do you, they even know Canterbury? Not all of them. I would say most of them don't even know. Um, it's a very small brand. Uh, I know a lot of colleges are signing, you know, provider deals, you know, buying a lot of Canterbury stuff. VMI, my college, they, they, they get their kit through Canterbury. But at the end of the day, it's an extremely small and single sport specific brand when you compare it even to an apparel giant in Europe that no one knows about here called Macron, you know, uh, Isn't so, Macron the president of France? 
Yeah, they're not, they're not related, even though they have the same last. It's the same last name. I thought Macron. That was, sorry, yeah, Macron. I, I definitely uh, I definitely looked that one up actually because uh, I was like, huh. But so Macron's a huge apparel brand in Europe. Um, but so so what what do we need? Like, not even we don't even need really cash value. We we need a good deal, Vic wise from a major brand in North American market, but also includes integration into their marketing campaign to push a brand notoriety is much more important than a few extra dollars, which is probably what this deal is going to get us. Um, Under Armour was at the table a couple of years ago and we couldn't, we couldn't sell them rugby, even though they wanted to be sold rugby because at the time they sponsored Canada, they sponsored Wales and they also sponsored uh, Georgia at the time. And they sponsored, more than a few other uh, clubs that like they <laughs> Under Armour USA wanted to be sold on rugby and we couldn't get it done. Uh, but we've, I think we've fixed the salesman problem right now. Uh, but when it comes to a partner, Nike makes Argentina's kit, whether it's Under Armour or Nike to be into, if we could get ourselves integrated into this, their marketing campaign so that they see our our products see our brand that's more that's that's extremely important because then it's recognizable to the people at large because we're trying to grow the sport as a consumer base as a participant base and i don't think this deal does that that's my opinion no no and that definitely makes a lot of sense but i, I can definitely see why canterbury might be wanted wanting to uh, invest in USA Rugby because it's a growing brand. We are we are getting uh, bigger and bigger, uh, especially with the emergence of the MLR. So perhaps this deal is sort of them trying to coincide with, uh, with that rise and trying to build their brand. But like you said, it's all about brand recognition and bringing in people, um, you know, and bringing in people in here in the USA market because uh, they're going to recognize brands like Under Armour, like Adidas, like Nike. Like and like, like you said, they're not going to recognize Canterbury. So it might be some subliminal uh, shit when it comes to like who's making the kits. But subliminal is important when it comes to. So the- so there's a brand that's huge in the U.S. market. Uh, that's pretty huge. Like not they're not a Nike, they're not an Adidas, they're not an Under Armour. But the, the, you you know this Puma. brand. Yeah, Puma. Pu- like Puma, they make stuff. They 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 sponsor the Blue Bulls. They make stuff down. But here, here, there's a brand that you know yeah, that, well, is in, that is in almost every sport in America. To, to be honest, though, the only uh, thing I've ever seen Puma like make prominently is ankle socks that are worn by middle schoolers, man. Like, I, well, so, but, but I'm not, I'm not talking specifically about Puma. There's a brand that is in almost every single sport in North America. It's not Nike. I mean, like Nike's in everything, but it's not a Nike. It's not an Adidas, and it's not an Under. Asics, and guess and and they they I, are they are a rugby brand. They are. They. I didn't even think about them honestly. They sponsor South Africa and they sponsor Australia. Maybe maybe Asics wants to crack into another sport in North America. Maybe we should have tried selling them. Unless and you know we are on the rise. Unless we unless we've already tried selling them because I, I honestly, these, these negotiations are so backdoor and under the table, especially in USA Rugby, which releases jack shit for information about anything. So yeah. for all we know, that we we tried to sell uh, sell them on rugby, but who knows? Maybe I just I'm just looking at brands with reach in the United States market, and you know we're we're, we're struggling right now. So so that's my commentary. Um, I'm glad uh, the Everyone agrees with what I had to say. <laughs> Not really. If you, if you think I'm full of it, uh, you can even tweet me at the Strobro. Um, you can. I'm. I'm. I'm findable. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, we're no strangers here to dissenting opinion on um, you're full of dirt. <laughs> um, questions from Bob. Uh, <laughs> I think Liam and I may have two different answers, uh, or we may have the same answer. I don't know. Um, from Life Love Rugby, who thus far has the better academy set up thus, wow, so, thus, thus far twice? Um, mm-hmm. Is there a time limit as to when the clubs need to have academies up and running? Question. Mm-hmm. 
So before the before the uh, the broadcast started, we did talk about this, and there was three there was three clubs that kind of got thrown around um, in terms of who were the best. Obviously, uh, I, I have I have my own opinions about Houston uh, just because I've seen the work up close that they have been doing, particularly with the West Houston Lions, um, uh, which is the uh, a D1, D2, and D4 club uh, that's been um, that has been sort of facilitating the uh, the development of some of the lower tier players in the SaberCats Academy. Uh, the guy behind me, Grant Cole, has been doing a great job of managing that. Uh, the only issue is that just the uh, I've seen like a lack of integration of co- college players. We, there's been more of a focus on bringing in uh, foreign players and players from uh, from out of state. Uh, these these are really great athletes. Uh, however, um, like there is a point that you're not exactly developing the local talent. Then we kind of have the New Orleans Gold. They have a great U20s program right now that's kind of been on a winning streak, um, and it's paid off. Uh, we've already talked about the access that they have to strength and conditioning uh, training, and I think that's going to you know, that that's going to be beneficial in terms of getting the fitness up. Because one thing that you hear coaches from overseas saying all the time is that the lack of fitness here in the United States is going to be a huge issue. Uh, and then finally, uh, there's Glendale. You can't really argue with the pro- the productivity of the Glendale Raptors Academy, especially when you see people like Mika Cruze and Harley Davidson coming out and fucking tearing it up in their rookie Whoa, season. Harley Davidson was developed in life. Like, yeah, he's, sorry, he's sorry, not, sorry, he's sorry. not an academy but, player. But back, back up to Mika Cruz, eh? Well, they, um, I mean, it wasn't just, I mean, it wasn't just Mika Cruz. Uh, you know, Mickey Bateman, Jake Christman, who now is playing with Utah. A, a, yeah, a really, a, a, really, a really good scrum, scrum half. Uh, still a little raw in a lot of ways, but however, you know, definitely a huge ceiling. But you can't deny that this Glendale uh, Academy has been, it's been established for oh, no, years no, no. now. You have Coach Williams, who, who's a really good coach at the, at the very top, and it goes and it goes down like that with his influence. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think Glendale is the most productive. However, I see NOLA and Houston's academy systems as having large, high ceilings, maybe not as high as uh, Glendale with the structure they already have in place but definitely on the rise. Uh, but I think you're going to talk about another club that I didn't mention. Yeah. So, um, you know, like who has the the better, I, I would say when it comes to best right now, uh, whether it was Glendale's big side last year or their small side. Now they have quickly identified talent that has gone on and filled holes in their lineup and pushed not only filled holes, but pushed guys out. Right. Like that—that's what happened last year. They—they—they they, they had a, a center wing, and then Mika Cruz took his job, you know, um, and, and things like that. So you, you're seeing what Glendale is doing there. Glendale also has a, a youth program, but I think it's—it—it's going to be a little. They haven't done a lot at the U18 level, uh, which is what we've seen from. Nola Gold, which I really like. They're, they've done very successfully there. But the program that, if I take everything by this press release as sacrosanct, um, the pathway that has been hammered out by the Utah Warriors, if we if they get everything done, man, it's going to look good. Uh, they, they announced that over the break, and it was – so you have the Junior Warriors program, which anyone, any kid can sign up for who's playing rugby and just go in for extra skills, right? Um, at the U16 and U18 level, they're going to hold combine. So that's like boys and girls can come in, and it doesn't matter. They're going to hold skill sessions and upskill kids, which is great. Um, then you have with Rugby Utah – or no, Utah Youth Rugby, because Rugby Utah is the senior NG, senior SRO. With Utah Youth Rugby, they've established that the Warriors are going to have two sides of 20 players apiece, uh, U16 at U18 level, uh, that are selected from multiple combines, and they will assemble uh, in February, and they will stay as a player group through the rest of the year, uh, which, which is great. And then you have integration of the collegiate programs, and you look at the collegiate programs at uh, in Utah. You've got some really hardcore college programs in BYU, Utah, and Utah Valley. You get them integrated into to form a sub academy. That's pretty awesome. And then you have from Rugby Utah, you have the men's premier division, 
uh, coalesce under the Utah Warriors, and you're going to have the Warriors Selects program on top of that. And the Warriors Selects program, is, I would say, is sort of had its birth um, from a couple of years ago. And that was the Utah Selects program. So you have all these guys playing in the men's premier division of uh, Rugby Utah that will be put, they're, they're putting up their hands for the select side. And if you make the select side, you will train on a regular basis with the Utah Warriors. And then you're going to play fixtures and you're going to, you're going to get contract offers. So as a holistic program, if, if that thing is up and running this year, which it sounds like it's going to be, that's pretty good. Like that's, that's more than, you know, we've ever had in this country when it comes to development of, of rugby players. But, but again, this, you know, when it, when, it, when it comes to stuff that's already in place, you know, like like Houston, Houston and NOLA are building up their academy system. Um, and they, like, uh, I, I can say for a fact that Matt Truville had uh, the head of the Houston academy system. He has a great pathway on paper and he's, he's done like just, just as good a job as he, as he possibly can in implementing it. However, there's going to be hiccups and there's going to be bumps in the road just as with any well-laid plan. So it's hard to take a plan that's only on paper at the moment and it's not a, me- a mechanical working reality, uh, you know, at, at face value. So definitely it sounds good. It, it, this is a great blueprint and, you know, it's definitely the way to go. However, I'm going to be interested in terms of finances. I'm going to be interested in terms of logistics with uh, like venues and, you know, fields to, uh, to, to practice on. So, so uh, logistics, uh, you know, Utah is a big state, but it is not Texas. I would say it's not that popular. The, the, ma- the majority, so it's around five, six million people, and two thirds. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm smoking. It might be bigger. Let's look this up. Let's, let's do. Let's, let's look at the stats. Um, we have uh, so, so you so Utah is, you know, the whole population is like Houston, Houston's population, but two th- so three three point one million people. Around two of those pe- two million of those people, though, live uh, in the Provo Salt Lake City corridor, which is basically you know from one end to the other of the Houston Metroplex. Truly, right? Um, so when it comes to people being able to form up and the economics of that, oh, the majority of these pe- the people that are selected will be able to attend training and all that stuff uh, pretty regularly. I'm guessing pretty much the Warriors selects, not really like the West Houston Lions per se, but these guys are going, they're competing for a contract. They're not contracted, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, Um, It's all going to be how the logistics, how they play out, man. But, Houston, uh, Houston is the size of Rhode Island, by the way. I did not fucking know that when I came down here. Crazy. Houston is massive. Yeah, um, dude, straight up. Like, so, I still don't know what the hell, like, certain towns around the city, whether or not they're part of Houston or whether or not they're separate towns. Is Katie part of fucking Houston? I don't know. Well, Katie, Katie is Katie, but it is Houston. Yeah, see, everybody's been saying that, and that doesn't mean anything to me. Like, <laughs> I, I'm just like, go back to Taunton. <laughs> T- Taunton, nah, man. I-, I have I have teammates from Taunton, man. Rickon, they're holding it down for the Hornets already. Um, but <laughs> uh, so so the other part of the question is part of that question from Life Love Rugby is uh, is there a time limit on when clubs need to have these academies up and running? I- I'm sure there is, but um, like. Like what that when that is I, I I have no idea like what whenever that date is I'm I'm sure everyone's gonna have their their academies running very smoothly and like well oiled ships so um, Sky Bailey as Victor says but Ski your question will the academy system focus on high school development essentially competing with groups such as Era go to the Glendale route and focus on collegiate age players. Um, well, I can say that right now uh, the West Houston Lions have done a pretty good job of integrating the uh, local high schools. Uh, we have 
Grant, what is it now? Two high school teams um, with, with, the, with the West Houston Lions? JV and varsity. We have a JV and varsity high school program. Um, like I've already said, the collegiate outreach uh, hasn't been as strong, but I'm very confident in terms of how we're actually reaching out into the public schools and private schools, uh, whatever. Uh, you, we, we have uh, players from the Sabercats who are coaching these teams too, uh, uh, such as Connor, Connor Murphy and, uh, and, and, uh, and Jack uh, Frickin' age. Uh, sim, sim, Jack, Riley. Jack Riley. Sorry, couldn't even blend. Such a good guy. But uh, yeah, no, I'm loving the Houston, uh, the, the Houston High School Development Program as well as NOLA. We've already seen that they have a U20 and U uh, and U18s. Uh, yeah, uh, when when you look at this, are they going to be competing with Adams? Are they going to be competing with Era? The answer is yes and no. Um, Era. Like all these other academies, these are like sort of traveling academies and they don't, they aren't all the time. I'm sure West Houston, West Houston, or like kids in this, there are guys that were in the Sabercats Academy uh, U18, U19s last year in the summer who are also doing era stuff. So yes, are they competing? But they're also adding to, but yeah, there's, there's a distinct focus on, uh, on high school kids. Uh, Rooney is going to have a distinct focus on their high school team. They've already done a bunch of, you know, player clinics and combines for, for high school. And they're, they've announced to their under 20s head coaches. And that is, oh, I to that. Bill Terigno, um, at, uh He's up at West Point as uh, an assistant there. So there you go. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, they're going to compete against, but they're also going to add two and those guys that will still go on era tours because guess what? You still need to play rugby. And uh, it, it is what it is. We just all, uh, uh, the academies are really here. To, these, the MLR academies here are really here to grow participation in the sport at the youth level locally. And, um, you know, ERA tend, uh, I, I'm not, I don't know. I would say ERA is a great organization. They coach coaches, they coach players, but at the end of the day, you only have so many resources and they're focused really on um, existing players. And I think these academy programs for, that will be the junior academy programs, U18, U16, and U14 are, are going to be mostly focused on really getting new kids into the game and then selecting down to the travel squads that will go all over the place for tours and stuff. And, but yeah. Um, is, wow. It is, is that, uh, is that it? Is it, is it that time? It all right. 757. Okay. So, um, you know, we're going to keep it tight in the preseason. So next week we'll keep it pretty tight. Um, when there's five games, when there's four games a week, it might be kind of hard everyone but uh, i know you guys love rugby so try to get you a 90 minute pod every week during the season so that you can run to it instead of just listening to it on the car um so for my cl closing thoughts um i want to give a special shout out um to our uh, our co our co-host from last year and a on our uh, spanish host of uh en la mele uh the spanish language version of this podcast Victor Perez, who just had his first ever daughter uh, today. Uh, what's her name? Mariana? I, yep. I believe it is. Mariana. Mariana. So welcome to the club, Mariana. Uh, your dad is a really cool person, and he's a great colleague. And, uh, you know, you're going to be a great rugby player in you know, just a few short years. Oh, and uh, go, go, go past, baby. You've got a uh, AFC championship. He's got a uh, we've, – we've got an under ones team. Uh, <laughs> sponsored, sponsored by Earful of Dirt. They, they just crawl around with the ball, you know. <laughs> so, um, yeah, um, I, I think that's it, Josh. So, uh, yeah. you want to take uh, us away? All right. Well, that, that's our. You got a well, thought? You got enthusiasm. Thought. No, you I don't have. I don't have any thoughts. I'm just. I'm just here to be the guy in the background. <laughs> he, he's he's the puppet master, you know, just pulling the strings. Just... I thought. Well, since I am Corey this week, yeah, technically. Mm hmm. Well, all right, so that's our show for tonight. Be sure to tune in next week. We're live every Monday, available and available on your favorite podcast platforms every Wednesday. If you like what we do, please subscribe to our YouTube and iTunes feeds. Um, it, all, it helps other folks find us. 
And be sure to share your own news, views, and abuse with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. At Earful of Dirt on all of those. Uh, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby podcast. We're live each Monday night on YouTube, available for download every Wednesday morning through your favorite podcast provider, and always online at earfulofdirt.com. Subscribe to our channel on YouTube and like us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can share your thoughts with us via our voicemail by calling 720-600-2679. We're live again next Monday at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. We'll see you then.